yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the throw-in with me, Sinead Kassan, where the leagues came to an end in women's Gaelic football and camogie over the weekend. The titles just keep coming for me. The All-Ireland Champions won the Lidl 1 Division 1 title for the first time in their history. They beat Donegal by two points, 2-8 to 1-9 at Crow Park. We'll have Cork legend Rena Buckley and the Irish independence Donica Boyle on to talk about that. And Galway retained their Camogie Division 1 title. They beat Cork by four points in the final on Saturday night. Four-time All-Ireland Camogie winner Ursula Jacob will be on to assess that. Will we start with football? Donica Boyle and Rena Buckley are here. Rena, there's just no stopping the Smeed machine at the moment, is there? Absolutely, yeah. I suppose, look, it was a, you know, before the game, I, I wasn't sure which way the game would go, but... Um, look, I think I think Mead are growing. You know, it's only last year they're in the Division Two final. You know, they're in a two years ago they're in an intermediate final, and they seem to be growing and growing and improving and improving. And I just thought they they put in a really impressive display again um, yesterday. Um, and I think they'll be. You know, I, I think they've probably made themselves favourites for the All Ireland Championship for this year. You know, I thought they played very well. I thought they had a great system of play, um, and they have the attacking players to to score as well. So look, they're they're an excellent side, and and I thought they were they were worth their their win yesterday. Absolutely, Jonica. The talk from the Meath players in the build up to this game was that they felt they had a point to prove because they wanted to show that their All Ireland win over Dublin last September wasn't a one off. Um, I think any iota of doubt about that now is completely wiped. Yeah, and that's that's something they've repeat, repeated nearly since after the All Ireland final last year. That you get a sense of them that maybe they feel that some people think they just caught people off guard and maybe you know. Sucker punched Cork in the semi-final with those that late couple of goals and and maybe did the same to Dublin who weren't fully tuned in and like whether that's real or imagined I don't know but it's it's definitely their fuel at the minute um they have uh yesterday they were you know they, uh, early on they were very much in command I think it was one six to two points after about twenty three minutes and um, Donegal hadn't scored from play at that stage now there was a fair win in Croker but um the uh, and even when it did go against them for that period when they were down to fourteen. They um they found a way to to dig it out and got that great breakaway goal from from Nevo Sullivan, which was a brilliant move. Like they're they're counter attacking football. Like you know, it's you see there's 15 behind the ball and sometimes it's not that it's not that pretty. But the way they counter attack and the speed to do it at and the smartness to do it with as well is is really top level stuff. Like that, at a couple of the goals they worked, the two goals they worked. The first one was a long kick out from Monica McGurk. Emma Duggan, Vicky Wall, goal, uh, Vicky Wall pass. Uh, I think it was Kelsey Nes- Nesbitt 
goal and the second goal was really well worked. Just right decisions at the right time, done at pace, and it's very, very hard to defend against. So, as Rena said, they're, they're in a great position going into the final, and like you know that that refrain has been repeated that flash in the pan want to want to double down and show everyone how good we were, and and if that's what's driving them so far, it's 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 certainly working for them. No, absolutely. And Donegal really tested Mead here, Rena. I mean, as Donica said, Mead led by seven points, one six to two points with four minutes of the first half left. And then five minutes into the second half, they were down by a point. It was some comeback by Donegal, but Mead showed their nerve here, didn't they, to get back in front again and hold on to that lead? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I suppose Donegal, I suppose, look, Mead settled into the game much quicker than Donegal. Donegal took a while to settle into the game. Um, and then I suppose... It was really when they created that goal opportunity. Um, was I think it was um, it was Karen Guthrie um, got a chance in front of goal and she was taken down by by Mary Kate Lynch. Mary Kate Lynch got a yellow card and that's really when Donegal came into the game. I think it was during that yellow card. I think they sco- I think Donegal might have scored one four um, in that ten minute period. Um, so it, it like it, it, that was really what got them back into the game and and they really pushed they really pushed me at that point. But I suppose once Mead came back to 15, once they got, you know, got back into their stride again, I think they kind of got stronger and stronger as the second half was, was going on and, and they finished really well. Um, you know, with, with a few minutes to go, there was only two points between the team, one point between the teams. And I think they ended up winning, was it by, um, it was by two points in the end, but they, they finished quite strongly, I felt. Um, and I, I think they're, if I think their level of athleticism has actually improved since last year, and I think that's a great testament to me because sometimes after winning an All Ireland, it's easy to sit back a little bit, but they seem to have pushed on and they they seem to be getting better. Donegal pushed them for sure. Donegal have got have got some excellent players in their side, um, but I, I think Mead were just a little bit better. Yeah, a guy who has to take huge credit here, Dunica, is obviously the manager. And I saw in your report this morning that after the win yesterday, he was asked about what what the turning point was or when did he feel things started to change for Mead football? Yeah, yeah, I asked him that one because I covered the Cork game last year, the All-Ireland semi-final. And, you know, that was sort of with three minutes ago or whatever it was, Mead were losing, but they were losing with great respect and dignity. They'd gone down swinging. They had brought Cork, who were obviously been in Cork and Dublin, had sort of carved up ladies football for the last while between them and Mead had put in a really good show and, and then they sort of pulled that game out of the bag it was a remarkable game to cover and I was asking him like was that the moment and he went back to this game in, in against Cavan a few years ago and he just said they got bullied he says one of the girls needed stitches after the game and said we hit the gym after that and we trained twice as hard as they ever did so that was for him that was the turning point and like it's amazing like they were Division 3 in 2019 Division 3 2019 and so you had two COVID years there so the amount of work you could actually do would have been pretty limited and now they're you know just hoovering up titles division two intermediate all-ireland senior and now the first division one title and it's uh it's, it's one of the one of the most remarkable stories in irish sport and even you know it, it, living in or being from mead and you can see the impact has had like when they played dublin in that game a few weeks ago which was effectively a dead rubber i took that was thousands at it i can't remember exactly maybe five six seven thousand something like that it was a huge turnout um, for a game that um, that people are into. And just um, as an aside, my own club, um, we were doing a presentation recently and uh, we got one of the girls, our, our reserve team, our men's team won a, won a reserve championship and we got one of the girls down from from the Mead All-Ireland winning team to present the medal to us. She'd be from our local ladies club, if you like, Orla Duff's her name, um, and she came down and presented the medal. So like people are buying into this on every level. Like they're going to games, which is 
always a challenge. You know what I mean? It's, it's you know, we can talk about it a lot. Of it's always a challenge to get people to part with their money or give up their time and go to games, you know, and, and it happens sometimes, but it doesn't happen all the time. But now on this, you have people going to Navin and they're just like me, people will buy into uh, beating Dublin and Ireland final every day of the week, no matter what it is. So, uh, you know, once they did that, they were straight in, in terms of the heart, the battle for hearts and minds was won in that moment. So, no, there really are, they have outrageous momentum behind them and sort of like really likeable and really honest team as well, because they're like, you know, we talk about Emma Duggan, we talk about Vicky Wall and the stars and some some brilliant footballers, some great kicking in very windy conditions yesterday. But they all work, like job number one, they all work, they all cover ground, they all get all the way back. And then when they turn over the ball, they attack in waves as well, back up the other way. So there's great sort of humility to them. And uh, I think, yeah, and from, from a Mead point of view, I think people really bought into them. Yeah, from a Mead point of view, of course, but not for people down in Cork where Arena is from. They really are bringing the game to a new level Rena, do you feel that yeah I do and like definitely Donica they remarked on their ability you know they you know they, they they bring a lot of people behind the ball and then they counter-attack very quickly and you know you know Donegal would have been reliant on the counter-attack as well but Mead were just that bit quicker on their counter-attack um, and then the other thing about Mead that I thought was very noticeable yesterday was I thought their physicality was excellent they were they were quite strong on the ball um, and off the ball they tackled quite hard you know they gave away a couple of freeze and things like that but certainly like from a physical point of view you know they're they can move and they're strong and you know they're they're an excellent side um i suppose last year when i was when i was looking at them they kind of reminded me a little bit of of my own cock team that i was part of of course they did (laughs) they did the way they came the way they came from you know i suppose from humble beginnings um don't convince there where they were in 2019 um and they made such progress so quickly um, you know, to, to winning in All-Ireland. And it was something similar to what happened with us in Cork back in 2004, 2005. You know, we went from winning, I think we won a Division 2 in 2004. Uh, sorry, we won a Division 2 in 2003 and we ended up winning the All-Ireland at senior, at senior level in 2005. So Mead actually were even quicker than that. Um, so look, they're, they're a fairy tale story at the moment. Um, they're looking very good going into championship. Um, so they will be favourites. But Donegal will be happy enough with their run out yesterday. They certainly will be in the mix. Um, they've got some excellent players. I mean, Jolie McLaughlin is one of the best players in the country, for sure. Um, and she showed that again yesterday. She was she was hard to keep an eye on. And with Karen Guthrie and Yvonne Bonner up front as well, they can be hard to handle. So, look, I'm sure Maxie Corn will be delighted that they got a, a run out in Crow Park. They got the National League final and they'll be in good good position now going to the championship as well. It'll be interesting to see how teams set up for Mead now because like it's very deliberate what they're doing. Like it's it's quite a, you know, everyone knows what they're doing and but stopping it now is the and next thing. And, us, and, yeah. and time to, like in time teams will figure it out, no doubt. And and you know, the game will evolve again on the back of it because that won't work anymore. And maybe teams won't commit as much ball forward, or maybe the you seen with the Dublin men's team, like they were more careful in possession then after a while to stop being so gung ho. So it'll be very interesting to see what coaches do now to combat this counter-attacking style of football, which is happening at the minute. Um, and at what stage will they figure out the best way to play against it? Like Tony Gall got very close yesterday. Uh, and as Rena said there, like I'm looking at the full forward line, I have four and three is seven, nine points from the full forward line. Um, you know, and, it, it, and maybe a little bit of luck or a little flick on that ball that went in late at the end. Monica McGork made a great save when there was a point in the game. Like there was there wasn't that much in it. Like we're talking about Mead because Mead are still winning, but Donegal were really close. So it's 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 a it's there's it's fairly democratic at the minute, it seems, the ladies' football landscape from only two years ago where we were talking about Dublin and Cork and is there anyone to get near them? 
and all of a sudden, you know, Mead are champions. Dublin and Cork are obviously still there. Um, you'll have um, uh, Donegal will have taken a lot of heart from that as well. So you're going into a much more open championship now, it feels like. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Rina, you mentioned there earlier about the kind of the physicality. And of course, you know, we saw the impact again of Vicky Wall. And I just love the way she even tucks her jersey into her shorts. It's her kind of signature style now at this stage. But I saw her tweet after the game was a picture of herself and Eamon Murray. And she captioned it, still friends. Now, we're assuming this is after his comments last week when he said he expects Vicky to move move to the AFLW later this year. And he kind of gave out about the game and said it's dreadful to watch. But look, you can't argue against anyone deciding to have the experience of living like a pro in Australia but what a loss to the game she would be Rena, if she does decide to move to Australia yeah that's true yeah um, so she did an interview with TG Cahar after the game um, and on that interview she said she has nothing signed so I suppose it's not a done deal that she's going to go to, to Australia so I think that was what the reference was to in her tweet um, but look Vicky's an excellent player um, she showed yesterday her ability to break the tackle and likewise in the All-Ireland final last year her, her ability to break the tackle in ladies football um, is is phenomenal. So obviously she'd be she'd be very um she you know she'd be worth her weight in gold in 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 Australia as well. Um, so like I particularly the way teams set up. No, if you if you have the ability to break the tackle like that, um, it's 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 a massive advantage to have. Um, so look, she's a she's a superb player. Um, you know she's a great ambassador for the game. And look, I would hope I would hope from a selfish point of view that she does stay playing football because I suppose she's excellent. Uh, you know, in, in, in terms of her skill level, she's excellent in, in terms of ju- just that breaking of the tackle, she's outstanding. Um, and her reading of the game, she always takes the ball on at the right time and she's that out ball for Mead. Um, if they're under the cosh any bit at all, she can break the tackle and take the pressure off the, the back line. Um, so, look, we, we'd love to have her, but I suppose the world is her oyster at the moment. Um, just to pick up on one point that, that Dunica made there in terms of how to counteract Mead's play, so it was something I was expecting a little bit more from in, from Donegal was was that long ball, the, the long ball in, particularly when you have Karen Guttery and Yvonne Bonner inside. Um, but it was something they didn't use until the last quarter, until after the second water break. Um, and it was something that was successful for them against Dublin in the semi-final. So look, I was a bit surprised they didn't they didn't use the direct ball a little bit more. Um, and I think that's one way, I suppose, that you know me do counter-attack in droves as well as defend in droves. So I think kicking the ball against them would be um, would be probably a, a good a good um, tactic to have against them, and I think that would be probably one of the most effective ways to you know to 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 get on top of them. So it'll be interesting going forward if anyone kind of goes with that a little bit more. Yeah, the AFLW Sinead, just on that, like they're on a bit change in the season, and the season has been or the the franch- there's more franchises involved next year. I think every AFL the AFL club will have an AFLW wing next year for the for the next season, but they're on a bit change into August and September, and I think. A starting then, and I think every ladies football manager in the country will be looking at that because if it does go to that time, you know how how much or how little will they miss or whatever the new season looks like could have an impact and how much they're available to them. But the other thing was, and M Murray picked up on this, is like sometimes they come back and they're after putting in some very hard weeks playing a very attritional sport, living living the professional life. But like that comes with that takes its toll as well because I suppose you're you're playing at a level against other people who are living the same professional life. And, you know, you saw Sinead Goldrick got that really bad hamstring injury last year. Um, you know, so it's, it's it, it, I'd imagine that all the managers are saying, like, no one would begrudge anyone going, but when they're going, maybe you're watching through your fingers a little bit because, you know, you don't know what you're, what, what you're going to get back, you, even if they're going to come back exhausted or injured or anything. So 
it's uh, what they do with that season and when they start it and and it will be very interesting because all the Irish players out there seem to be making an impact. You know what I mean? Like the course Daunton still doing it. Breach Dacker a good year by all accounts. Meet one again or Ireland one again, sorry, uh, in the grand final there. So like I'd imagine they'll keep the Aussies will keep fishing these waters um and, and uh and we'll lose lose a lot more of our sort of higher profile players. Okay, and just very quickly, uh, Kerry won the Division 2 final. Uh, they came into this game as the underdogs with Armagh, the favourites, but Kerry beat them by three points, one twelve to 12 points. Daniel O'Leary came on and made a huge impact scoring 1-2. So a win and promotion for Kerry there. Rena, before you, you go, we've got Ursula on next now to talk about the Camogie final. From your perspective, another defeat for Cork to Galway. How do you assess where Cork are at? Yeah, I suppose Luke Cork started very brightly. They they got into the game very quickly and um, they they did very very well. Um, it was a kind of an unusual game in, in terms of the, the most of their scorers were actually in the back line. You know, they they played with a um, a very kind of modern style of play where the back line were and the midfields were were attacking hugely and and actually ended up getting on the score sheet a lot more than than the forward line. Um, but Galway got in at half time. They obviously regrouped and they came out in the second half a different animal. And they dominated, I suppose, in the second half, and and they they got um they got some crucial scores, and and I suppose they they got their nose ahead of Cork. I think probably, um, I think Galway are still a little bit ahead of Cork. I think they probably have a bit more balance in their team. Um, look, I think Cork have an excellent style of play. They know exactly what they're doing, but I just think maybe Galway at the moment, personnel wise, are probably in a little bit of a stronger position. Even you looked at their bench that came on there, and just going through all their subs, the subs that didn't come on. You know, they're, they've a lot of strength and depth, probably a little bit more than Cork have. Um, and I suppose they use that to full advantage. No, Cork will be relatively happy. There was definitely, you know, they, they did well in, in, in a lot of areas for, a, you know, for a long number of the game. But at the end of the day, I think Galway probably have the upper hand on Cork at the moment. OK, good stuff, Rena. Thanks for that. Well, Ursula Jacob is here now to talk about the Division 1 Camogie final that took place at Crow Park on Saturday night. So, Ursula, back-to-back league titles for Galway. It was some turnaround uh, from them in their final against Cork. They came from six points down early in the second half to win by four points, 2.14 to 1.13. Now, you were there on RT duty for this. Uh, we spoke earlier in the podcast about Meath being a machine in Gaelic football. Well, Galway are winning all around them as well in the Camogie, aren't they? Yeah, and and they're having this kind of dominance over Cork in the last couple of years as well. You know, it's their fifth game in a row, either in league or championship, to be beating Cork. So it was a massive win. Um, You were probably thinking when they went six points down just after Amy O'Connor's goal, uh, that Galway were looking in a little bit of trouble. They seemed not their usual kind of consistent self and, and their forwards weren't getting the balls in. But look, Cahill and his management team made some vital changes and ultimately the subs that came on made the difference. And, you know, their subs got 2-5 off the bench in the last 20 minutes and that proved to be the difference. How demoralising is this for Cork? As you said, it was uh, their fifth consecutive defeat to Galway. That's across league and the championship. How demoralising is it? Do you, or do you think they're closing the gap on Galway? Yeah, like, look, at when you look at the results, there's never more than anything than maybe three, four points. So I think Cork will be reasonably happy. You know, their first half performance was really impressive. They were dominating a lot of sectors. Defensively, they were very solid. Their half-back line in particular were, were completely dictating terms. And up front, you know, the usuals, Amy O'Connor, uh, Katrina Mackey, do, those guards were leading. But 
One positive, positive for Cork is that they do have a number of girls coming back into the team. You know, Hannah Looney is expected to return um, in May, I, I hear, and even Orla Cronin is expected to return. So th those two girls in particular are massive boosts to Cork if they can get them back into the team because Hannah, as we saw last year, completely dominated proceedings uh, at midfield and Orla Cronin is one of the best forwards uh, in, in Cork and in Ireland. So... I think they'll be reasonably happy. They'll take a lot of positives from it. Obviously, they'll be disappointed to let the six points slip. But these girls on the court team are quite young. They're still that little bit more inexperienced than Galway. And I think Galway's experience got them through, got them through on Saturday night. Yeah, it's just their time at the moment, Donica, isn't it, Galway? Yeah, it seems, it seems to be, uh, Sinead, like I was looking at it, you mentioned their dominance. It's, it's two All-Irelands and three National Leagues now. And, and the only one... They missed out on was that was it Denise Gall's late penalty in a couple of years ago that that stopped them winning winning the other All Ireland in, in that sequence. So like you know it, it's fair dominance and, and fair dominance over Cork as well as as Ursula said. That's five in the spin now and, and in any sport I think and you know that becomes a bit of an issue I think or at least it can if you let it. Um, if you're losing to the same teams all because part of your mind thinks that, like these were were done here even before you go out so. That'll be interesting to see how they can handle that in terms of turning it around. But absolutely, Galway are the the stand, There's no doubt about that they are top of the tree at the minute. Uh, yeah, Ursula, like you mentioned earlier, Cork kind of looks set up for this when Amy O'Connor scored that goal at the start of the second half and they led 110 to seven points. But the Galway subs really were the difference, weren't they? Uh, they scored 2-5 in the second half. Catherine Finnerty, Sabine Rabbit came on. But Carrie Dolan was superb. She came off the bench, finished at 1-4, three from freeze. She was the game changer. She was, without a doubt. And I think, you know, we even mentioned it on Saturday night after the game. Her attitude and everything, her body language when she came on. You know, sometimes when a player is left off, and she's someone who would have regularly started for Galway, she just had such a positivity coming on on the pitch. She really showed her true leadership qualities. And right from the get-go, she won a free within minute, within a minute of her coming on. And, you know, obviously her, her, her goal was vital for Galway in the end. But that's one thing that it has impressed me most about Galway is the competition for places in, in the panel. It's not just the reliance on maybe the starting 15. If you look at their bench on Saturday night, they have five or six girls that have started and won all Ireland's and they were in the bench. So that's one thing that I think Galway have uh, over the other counties. I think they have a really, really strong bench and Carrie's no doubt going to be pushing for a starting place in the championship. Yeah, because she mentioned it afterwards in her Player of the Match Award, like she was disappointed not to get on that starting team and, you know, she wanted to show it then when she came on. Yeah, and it's a great example for anyone that's maybe left off that when you get your chance, you take it. And by God, she, she did take it on Saturday night. Um, but look at Carrie's a fantastic player. You know, she's done lots for Galway Camogie and I've no doubt she'll be pushing hard for her place again come the start of the championship. But look, as I said, it's the it's the one thing that I think Galway do have over other counties. And I think the big challenge for Galway now is to do that back-to-back All-Ireland because they've won four All-Irelands, but they've never done the back-to-back. -back. And that's, I think, the challenge that Cottle is going to be saying to his players now. We're a great team, but to be really, really great and to be considered one of the all-time great teams, you, you need to be doing the back-to-back. -back. So are they? Are we looking ahead to the championship then? Um, who can take down uh, Galway? I still reckon, um, as long as they don't meet in the semi-final, I'd still be taking, uh, uh, thinking that Galway and Cork are going to be back in the final. Um, I think Tip are really, really pushing hard, even in the league this year again. Uh, they seem to 
really pushed Galway fully out uh, in a game and they were very unlucky to lose that game. Um, and obviously Kilkenny are going to be there or thereabouts, but they have lost a few players through injury and through, through various reasons. So I still would be tipping that uh, Galway and Cork are going to be back in the final. But look, anything can happen and that's the joys of sports. But I still reckon it's going to be tip Kilkenny, Cork, Galway in the semi-finals. What do you think, Donica? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that they've sort of stood out as the the teams to to uh, that are you know most likely. And I I think Galway look like a team who are sort of getting a little bit str- stronger and a little bit more comfortable with the fact that they're you know they they're, they're now the the hunted rather than the hunters and have been for a couple of seasons, but it doesn't seem to bother them. So um, you know Cork, as Orsha said, have a couple to come back, but um, Galway are still the team to catch. Ursula, just a quick word too on the Division 2 final, which Wexford won. Uh, they beat Antrim 312 to 14 points. What stood out to you about this? Well, uh, I suppose from a Wexford point of view, it was really impressive that they seemed to be so goal hungry in the first half uh, in particular. And it seemed to be part of their game plan to take on Antrim at every opportunity. And to get three goals within, you know, inside the first 15 minutes was so impressive. Um, and it's brilliant for Wexford to be back next year playing Division 1 Camogie because that's the, the only way Wexford's going to progress at senior level if they're playing the top teams, you know. So it, it was a really important victory for Wexford. Obviously, I'd be very disappointed for Antrim that, you know, I, I felt they looked very flat on Saturday night. They didn't seem their usual, um, you know, uh, there didn't seem to be the same buzz about them on Saturday evening. I don't know what it was. Maybe nerves got to them. I'm not sure, but... The last time I saw them in Crow Park was the Intermediate Arl Ireland last year and they were hopping off the ground. So, look, I'm sure they're going to get things right. And obviously the, the red card for Chloe Drain had a huge bearing on the match. It, 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 it pretty much ruined the game then because they were struggling as it was. And then when Chloe went off, they were under more pressure. But one thing I would say, and a positive for Antrim, they did outscore extra in the second half, eight points to six. So look at if you take out maybe the three goals and how they were kind of easily conceded, there is positives there for Antrim and they will be hoping that Maeve Kelly, who was player of the match in last year's All-Ireland, will be back maybe by championship because she's a huge loss and she's a massively talented player that Antrim need. A little earlier before we came on air, Ursula, we were kind of talking about the crowd um, or maybe lack thereof that was at Crow Park on Saturday evening. Should the game still be played at Crow Park or do these need to go to a smaller venue? And as Dunica was kind of saying, it's about kind of getting that balance right between having the big games at Crow Park, but also not losing any atmosphere either. Yeah, I, I would have been very disappointed with the crowds, if I'm being honest, on Saturday evening. You know, for the Wexford Antrim game, if there was a couple of hundred people there and it was probably pretty much just parents and siblings, I'm, I, I would say. So that was disappointing. Obviously, I know everyone's dream is to play in Crow Park and it's the best pitch in Ireland, in my opinion. But, you know, maybe it does need to be looked at that. Maybe they need to be played alongside another game, whether it's even a men's game and coordinated in that way. Because you, I remember playing a few league finals in the past in Turles and we played before um, the men's National Harland League games. And yeah, like fair enough, uh, you want people to come in to support you, but the crowds will come in if there's a couple of games on there and there probably was only a couple of thousand there on Saturday evening the timing probably wasn't brilliant either because even both Anne-Marie Hayes and Anna Geary were saying to me if you're bringing kids from Cork or Galway a game at seven o'clock on a Saturday night you're not going to bring kids because it's too late so 
I know they're being probably dictated by the availability of a pitch and availability of when RT can schedule it in as well. But it probably does need to be looked at because they're even though both games were very good, in particular the Division One game, there wasn't much of an atmosphere, and, and it probably does need to be looked at really. I live right. I live right beside Crow Park. I live in, inside the cordon, the match day cordon. So you know where, where the roads are closed. I'm inside that. So like I can walk to the Hogan Stand about two minutes from my door. Wow. Um. So. And, and on Saturday and on Sunday, you wouldn't really have known there was a match on, to be honest, around the area. Normally, on any sort of a big day at all, you go up the streets, very busy, up and from Conrad, the shops are thronged, there's people in the pub, you know, you can see it, you can hear it, you can hear the noise. But there wasn't really much. And, and as we were saying earlier, it's it's a tricky balance. Like, what was it? I think they were expecting about 8,000 in the Crow Park yesterday. And there was no announcement called out for the for the, for the the football, so no, no announcement of the crowd which would suggest maybe they were a little bit disappointed with it. I don't know. But, um, you know, you could have put that game, those two games in parallel, and you would have had a, a great atmosphere. So it's, it's a tricky one to know. Do you want the atmosphere or do you want the, the Crow Park occasion? But sometimes the occasion of Crow Park can be drowned out by the emptiness, and it's so hollow, um, you know, that it's sort of, you know, when you can hear the players, and this happens in, in men's games as well, when you can hear the players shouting at each other, it's, you know, it's not... I think that's kind of the, the line in the sand a little bit nearly um, that that maybe maybe need to look at this again. But yeah, it's it's uh, it was it's it, it's an it's an awkward one. Like it's not straightforward because as soon as you move the game, don't you know that someone will give out and say we should be in Crow Park? These games need to be in Crow Park. So it, it's a very hard one for organisers to get. But Ursula makes a great point in the time if you're bringing kids and you know you want to expose them to the game and maybe get them to buy into it for down the line as they get older and all that. You know, seven o'clock in the evening or half six in the evening when they have to travel, just it's just not feasible. Like, just not. Yeah, I, I think we've seen a bit more um, of the double headers. Do you think that will help as well, Ursula? Without a doubt, and it, it, it's great to see with both some of the Munster Championship games for and uh, Munster and Leinster for the Camogie and Harland that there, you know, there's a little bit of a forward thinking there and realizing that, that the common sense approach there is to have a Camogie game played alongside a men's game because the more exposure that you get to. Uh, the camogie matches it'll encourage more people to actually watch them rather than just watching a camogie final on our on Ireland final day so I think it's a really positive move and I think more forward thinking like that because I know in the past I would have heard some players say oh it's insulting playing a camogie match before a hurling game I don't view it in that way at all I think it's brilliant if they're played alongside each other it's all the better because I think that's the, the best way of getting more exposure to the game Okay, Ursula and Donica, thanks for that. Well, that's it from me. You can rate and subscribe to the show. We're on Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify. Bye for now.